In a world of innovation, where engineers are constantly trying to create the newest products to grab and hold our attention, it is amazing that anything ever gets accomplished. Personally, unless I schedule time to engage deeply in my work, I find it hard to maintain focus, which means abstaining from checking all social network notifications, the hockey scores, the Google News Feed, the traffic for this podcast and ESL Hacker, email, and of course, Bitcoin and Tesla's stock price, even though I don't have a horse in the race. Maybe I am an outlier, but I suspect I'm not the only slightly compulsive phone toucher in this world. Hey, admitting it is the first step, right? Right? Anyone? Anyways, this is what makes today's guest so much more special. In this busy world full of distractions, Dr. Danny Kessler managed to obtain his master's and a PhD while maintaining full-time employment as a professor in Busan. He's an inspiration to me and maybe you too after you listen to him speak about his experiences. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. English. Dr. English, your cure for the common language. Take care of all of your English learning needs through Dr. English. Their all-in-one platform can facilitate everything you need to go from beginner to intermediate or intermediate to advanced English speaker. Check out their links in our description below. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. In my front, uh, my front lawn. Yeah, yeah, found 150 bucks, 350, just just sitting out there. Nice. Yesterday went out, found another 20 bucks. I'm plus 170 in the past in the past few months, and I think <clears throat> I've connected two uh, two things. I got a psycho guy who lives on the second floor. This guy, dude, five in the morning, two in the morning, 11 p.m. This guy's losing his mind. He flips out. It sounds like this. Go! Go! And he just screaming at his kid. Okay, this guy had this guy's meltdowns all the time. So I've got it down. I think I've connected two things, and I think I've got some reasons. Tell me what you think. First, he's yelling at his kid, who's like a university student. I think when he walks into the room, he sees his kid playing video games all the time, and he's just losing it. Or he just walks in, and his kid's a chronic masturbator. He's like, Jimmy, stop jerking off. It was one of the. But I think. As a way maybe to get back at his dad, he's like, you know what? Fuck you, dad. And he just takes a handful of cash out of his wallet and just throws it out. And this is the money I've been finding. Just a theory. (laughs) No? Am I the only one that might believe this? (laughs) Oh, we're we're going. We're going. Welcome back to episode uh, 39, possibly 40. Somewhere between 38 and 42. With Dr. Danny Kessler. God, I don't want to say like you're an inspiration, like I'm looking up and I got your picture on my wall, but absolutely listening uh, or seeing you on social media organize your, your master's degree, um, seeing you go through the PhD and, and, and seeing updates and whatnot, absolutely has had an influence on me to, to begin my uh, my master's education. Yeah, thanks for that, dude. That's uh, you're always always been a hustler. Not not in a bad way. You've uh, you've always been been active, man. You're not just the uh, not a teacher who just comes here and dials it in. Taking after dental. Yeah, absolutely. always moving in a direction. Damn. Yeah, Anyways, always welcome. moving and shaking. It's awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks for making the trip down from from Busan. Sure thing. Yeah, yeah wicked, glad, dude. Glad to be here. Yes, let's uh, start off with. I would like to get into uh to some history i know we both have um what do you call it? a history of, of martial arts, martial arts background, in sure. in in our young age why don't you uh, shed some light on that and how it's kind of 
brought you to where you are today. I think that was your earliest influence for... For sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was in high school, I wrestled. Um, I was pretty serious athlete. Yeah. And then when I went to the... I did some martial arts, Ooh. too. I, I, I consider mar- uh, wrestling a martial art, but... I, I was going to ask, is wrestling a martial art? I think of all the, all the Asian... It is. I mean, in the sense of dude, you got a beast. You got to be a beast to be wrestling. Oh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not questioning the athletic ability of wrestlers. I just mean if is it's in the category considered a martial art, or, or what is considered a martial art. Define martial fighting with your with your body potentially. But yeah. anyways, yeah, it, it's so, in the. And I also did some other martial arts. I did a little bit of the the no gi jiu jitsu back then. Just a couple of like months of classes, you know. Mm. And then I went to Arizona State and. I didn't want to wrestle there because I wanted to kind of have more of a balanced life. I kind of was just a strict athlete when I was young mm. in high school. And then Arizona State, I I was, you know, I, I had a lot of fun, but I also trained with uh, with a guy who was a Greco-Roman Olympic athlete. He was mm. an Olympian, uh, not Olympian, but he was, you know, he trained the Olympic Training Center. He was a top ranked Greco-Roman Olympic athlete and he had a program and I basically trained pretty seriously with him. Mm. And then, um, well, dude, listen, I saw you tagged. There was a picture oh, yeah. It said, Hey, thanks. Thanks for everyone. Who's been a part of my journey. I was looking at that too. And I was like, good which, Lord. Which guys, these guys are all 40. No, no, which no, no, no. Guys, no. Yeah. That was a two. And I was like, I don't know how you're connected to that, but it's in the front be, row, yeah. I see. I thought maybe that was your dad in the front no, row. No, no, no. That was kind of looking like you. <laughs> dude, do you know who those guys are? No, that's Daniel Cormier. Yeah, Olympian yeah. UFC champion, two weight classes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the end is um, Henry, Henry Cejudo, Cejudo. Yeah, yeah. also a double uh, double weight category, Olympic double gold medalist, and yeah. and um, as and, well as, and uh, holds two belts. And yeah, Ben Askren, yeah. who's no joke. Yeah, I seen that yeah. stupid fro sticking out in the middle uh, of uh, so the picture. How, how are you related to that picture? Unbelievable. So my yeah. one of my coaches, not my main coach, but one of the kind of like the mental coach that we work with. This guy Tracy, he was. Kind Does of he push Henry. you hardest? Is that the? He was. He was uh, oh. Henry's like father coach like he was henry's mentor ah not like and the crazy coach that makes you do lots no, of shit they, okay i got you kind of like a psychologist sort okay of coach, okay you know he mm-hmm. was also my coach so that's how i met henry through because tracy was a businessman and mm. i would like i i hung out a couple times with with henry mm. after the after he won the olympics oh, in, nice. in in um beijing in yeah. 2008 and I didn't really. I, I wish I trained with him, but I was. I was, to be honest, a little bit intimidated. I mean, we're talking about Olympic gold medalists, and I was training like it's a different breed of human, different level. Yeah. yeah. So I never you, trained. You with were him training right on the beach with the boys in Busan there, <laughs> in, the, in the micro speedos. Wow. <laughs> I think uh, I've seen you out there a few times walking. Well, no, walking I, I was on the training. Boardwalk. I was. I thought you were talking about something else, but I was training one of my <laughs> students from Uzbekistan. I was training wrestling with him on the beach because it's like it, when you're wrestling, when you're training on the beach and you throw, it doesn't hurt too bad right. when you're when you're actually yeah. training. So it's actually a nice place to train, you know, since there's not that many mat spaces in in Korea and Busan. Sure. Mm. I got a new uh, new life rule that I don't wrestle anyone that comes from a stand country. Hey? <laughs> all, oh, dude, they they all get that. Uh, I don't want to paint them all with one brush, but they're all I think grown up pretty strong. 
Man, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this kid was good. He was very technical. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't that strong. But then, like, he went back to Uzbekistan, and there was another guy who was, like, bigger, who's, like, more your size. And this guy wanted to train with me because he heard that I trained with the other guy. And I shake his hand, and this guy's hand was, like, yeah. just, I, he was, like, Khabib. He looked like yeah. Khabib. And I was, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, like, you know what? I got a lot of work to do this semester. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to take, take it easy this time. When I first came here and I was training at Ulsan Fight Gym, yeah, I think you've yeah, been there. Parky and And I met yeah. Parky, like, I assumed he was older than me because just that he had like brute strength like he just when i was wrestling or if we're doing jujitsu i was like good like if it's like tendon strength or i don't know what the hell it was this guy was freakishly strong and you know when you see him fighting in lower level organizations yeah, like or whatnot UFC or something yeah this is not the ufc so i mean the ufc is 10 steps above where where he's fighting and the difference between me and him was ridiculous i can only imagine like a Khabib and watching his videos and how do you develop such a such a strong uh, body? I've I've been wrestling better since I was six. <laughs> it's unreal. It's yeah, unreal. I mean, it's, just a, it's a culture of legacy too, where they just have expectations. You see it in the rep, even in high school. I remember going to these gyms where like they had state champions, a state champion, state champions, and then if you're like a young guy, you're just like I'm going to be a state champion. Yeah. So it's just an expectation. It's just wow. like a mental thing. It's unreal. But I, I think out of all the martial I, I did karate growing up. Sure. And it was uh, it was cool, and we thought we were strong, and then I went to high school and wrestled. It did okay, but, I mean, when you go, you know, when you're in the small tournaments, if you go to the bigger tournaments, you see some of the guys in the upper weight categories, you're like, whoa, th- these guys are serious, man. They, you don't... Uh, I wrestled they all don't... through elementary, but it was never, like, it was just a phys ed teacher, whatever, would, yeah, okay, I'm sure, coaching sure. the wrestling team. Yeah. And he knew, you know, the standard 20 moves, and you just keep practicing them and practicing them, and if you're big and strong, you got a chance until you start meeting more big and strong guys, and then it's, you know, oh, whoever, just... whoever gets angrier and, and wants to get her done. Genes, your your DNA kicks in. But, yeah, they're... wrestling is absolutely, I think, the hardest uh yeah, the hardest training one. guys it's definitely is. what what do you think i don't even know if you know anything about it but the kids training in taekwondo in korea i i think it's like and people say is your kid is your daughter doing going to taekwondo now it's a joke i mean it's babysitting it's good for they, the discipline they they skip they play <laughs> dodgeball they play tag which is what they should be doing in phys ed class yeah, yeah. i mean i don't Just need to pay class. for my kid to go and play tag at a taekwondo so i said i know i'd like to wait until she's she'll till she requires self-defense if that's grade five or six, where she can actually do it seriously and not, you know, just for because dad's busy or mom's busy. That's what it is. And what so like every kid's got a black belt before grade <laughs> five. Every kid's got a black belt, but none of them can probably do any of the moves. Yeah. What What yeah. do you think about that mentality or that training style of? Oh, I don't. I don't like it's, the it's idea business, of giving right? away like you know what do they call them? McDojos where they're just giving away like the black belts and stuff. But I do like the idea of doing physical fitness and the discipline at a young age of teaching the teaching the movements, teaching those generalized movements because those generalized movements maybe like the kid plays, um, you know, does Taekwondo and then like because of that movement can play soccer better because yeah, of that movement right. can play volleyball better just because of the movement. Synergistic is over. Yeah, very over synergistic. Yeah. So I that's like a hundred percent. There's there's value to it. I just don't want to spend my money. I don't think it should be worth that much money. <laughs> But yeah, the, it was yeah. a lot cheaper, no problem. But in terms of self-defense or actually learning it and doing it properly, yeah, I, I'll register my daughters if they wish at a later date. It took uh, it took me, I think, six or seven years to get my to get my black belt in karate. In karate, goju yeah, yeah. Um And it 
and I think uh, one of the one of the biggest benefits of waiting so long to do it. Other dojos in the in the city, you could go one or two years. But same as here, you get your black belt. And I think one of the biggest. Are you saying mine's not good? You're what? You're fucking. You're fucking Walmart black belt. Which one? I got a black belt in Muay Thai. Oh fuck. Come on, are you saying my black belt's not worth it? Hey, I signed up for about I four. You I signed up for about four tournaments, and like there was nobody in the super super heavyweight division. So you're. The I was champion. the champ for four years. Yeah. And and one time he was like, one time he was like, Nate. I said, sign me up. What category? Super 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 heavyweight. I said, okay, we got somebody for you. And he's super, super heavyweight, but he's only 98 kilos. And I was like, 98? That's my left leg. <laughs> Who the hell? 98? Like, how heavyweight here starts at like 75 kilos. And right. like, <laughs> so, yeah, they've, they've never seen anyone so big that can actually be athletic or do sports. Yeah, if you're that yeah. big in career, you're just, you're just a fat lug. But, yeah, you know, yeah. you're not at home. It's football players. I mean, those guys watching in the NFL, holy shit, man. Those guys, three, 350, 400 pounds, and they run. But the I think sorry the biggest takeaway was the kind of the delayed gratification like you you get the belts sure. along the way but yeah dude six seven years of putting in as a young kid and finally get your black you're like yeah. oh god they put your picture on the wall you're like you know in later in life whether it's going through school or or any other whatever path you decide to get on that I I have that as like um as like a memory or like. The, the feeling of like, oh, you can accomplish it as long as you exactly. put put the, the time in. Yeah, That's, yeah, uh, sure. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways. More than being able to defend myself or like, if anything, it's it's worked against me in my early fighting career, in quotes. Dude, they teach you to punch like this, like hands on the hips, like, <laughs> huh, huh, huh. dude, yeah. you do that in, uh, do that in any, any other discipline you get lose your jibs absolutely and yeah, i just yeah. realized another effect of the coronavirus we missed one halloween party and he forgot that i got a black belt yeah, yeah, kind of i wear my gi to the halloween party every year <laughs> yeah. one year off of halloween and he doesn't remember anymore jesus that's funny yeah, that's yeah. we're gonna post a picture of nate on his gi or when you came here what uh what was your first experience in what do you call it, in martial arts or how did you so so I, in college, I, I, I trained mm. in uh, martial art. I was I became an instructor after a couple of years yeah. um, because I had the wrestling background. And yeah. my coach kind of put me in charge of the of the lightweights as a smaller guy. And then I was competing. I was competing mostly in jiu-jitsu, no-gi jiu-jitsu yep. across the United States, mostly in the Southwest. I was based out in, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. So I was going to Vegas for competitions. Oh, no way. Yeah, a lot of uh, different competitions around the, the country. Cool. Um, and then I had, you know, several students, and I was also coaching students and training students, and um, I started learning a lot more of the striking, the boxing, no. um, training boxing and other things. And then I had – and then I was about to graduate from the university, and then one of my, this uh, – one of my students came in, or new student com- came in, and, and – she she wanted to learn like self defense, and then I I taught her, and then she, she came with her friend. So her and her friend, they were both. One of them was a cheerleader from the uh, the Washington team. Redskins. Yeah, I think it was Redskins cheerleader, and then the other one, my my bi- future business partner, to NFL cheerleader for the Arizona Cardinals. Beauty. So we. Like after like a couple classes, and then a couple other girls joined. I was teaching a class of girls, and then there was a business plan competition that. Um, showed up and I was like, 
let's let's go into business and start a company together. Mm. We teach self-defense for women. Next thing you know, I started a company. And that's how I kind of started my first business when I was like in my like 24, 25 at the time. It was, you know, it was a, obviously a, an adventure. It was like ups and downs. I, don't, I ended up teaching at the peak of it. I was teaching, I was teaching seminars at different universities, UNLV, University of Florida. Awesome. And very nice, like, the only the issue was like the insurance situation because like in the US I'm sure it's similar in Canada like getting like insurance to teach you know if it's like a physical class you can't uh, you need to have a million dollar insurance policy in case Absolutely. someone gets injured that kind of thing so I changed it more into like a lecture and I was teaching uh, and then also like I was teaching the schools that could afford me were like the private elite mm-hmm. high schools and, and then universities and then summer camps so I was teaching like classes. I was organizing seminars. Went to Hawaii. I did quite a quite a few seminars around the country. Then I got involved in another company that had a potential to make a lot of money. I mean, mm. this company like it was just like a lifestyle business where mm. I had, had enough money. I got to travel around the country, but the other company had a potential to make a lot of money. Mm. And uh, they called it Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> that would have been nice. That would have been uh, uh, di- different different story. Uh, so the other company. But the time, I mean, I was working with some really high level people. We were, I was again traveling around the country doing business. We were building an online social network for entrepreneurs, a totally different business. But we were trying to raise like, you know, millions of dollars and the timing was the worst. It was like 2008 financial crisis, yeah, perfect, yeah. <laughs> which I think a lot of people kind of like, you know, moved out here around those, that time. And, Absolutely. you know, there was like economy. And that, I went back to my first business, but it was just, tiring i was burnt out absolutely so one of my my former business partner the original girl that got involved with me with the with the first company she had moved to korea and then we decided i mean she's like come you know come to come to ulsan i'm like come to korea i'm like okay yeah sure <laughs> i'll come to korea i look up the first thing i remember googling and i'm like and i the first thing that showed up in google was like you know teaching english in korea and then it said like teachers don't they don't pay the teachers. That was like my first like Google impression of Korea. Yeah. So I'm like, are you sure about this? I remember talking to her, and I was like, you know what? I got probably fifty fifty back then. It was right <laughs> like 2009, 2000. So anyway, I ended up coming to Ulsan, and here I am in you know in Ulsan. That's how I ended up meeting uh, I guess you guys right like that year, and um, yeah, and then uh, soon after that, I I guess call it right place, right time. I got a job at the university. And I ended up moving to Busan mm. and uh, was teaching. After a very memory <laughs> yeah, filled two years in Ulsan. Well, you could say that. Yeah, <laughs> it was an interesting, um, you know, it was a definitely a culture shock. Culture yeah. shock, yeah. Definitely a culture shock. Um, Transition you know, living, period. Yeah, yeah, it was a trend. It was a it was an interesting time working teaching English mostly in the uh, university at uh, university in Busan, yeah, and yeah. then. I wrote a couple of books that one, the first one was a self-defense book that um, was related to the business that I had, the the women's self-defense. And then the second book was a book for Koreans traveling to America. What what were your biggest takeaways writing those books? That, I mean, it's not easy. I think a lot of people can write books. Getting through the process is the, is the the hardest part. Bri's got a little bit of experience doing kind of textbooks and, and specialty books, but what were some of the hardest? It's a nice way to put it. What were some of the hardest hurdles or biggest hurdles you've had to overcome in, in that writing process? You're published, or like yeah, a, two 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 books. Yeah. I, I got lots of ideas. I can sit. I just don't have time or 
I, I just can't sit down and do it. Yeah, Maybe when yeah. I'm 60 or something, but may, I should probably do it now. But it's, how? So, like, it, it's just managing creative energy. Because, I mean, if you're creative, I think, like, if you live in another country, if you're not creative, you become creative. Just from the novelty, all the experiences that you have when you have a lot of variety of experiences, mm. it gets your juices flowing. It gets your juices flowing and you got stories. Yeah. And every experience, like you're, before we were just talking, <laughs> telling these stories, like, I can write a Danny Kessler book Listen, for one year. <laughs> I, I prefer, I prefer uh, that you, you didn't do that, but you can imagine all the stories. Like you have so many like things that happen to you or happen to people that like you, you can like recall and talk about. And all you have to do, if you think about it, is convert that into words and you actually have a lot of content and then it's a matter of organizing that content in some in in some way that is easy for other people to understand so you have to like you know make it like think who who are the people that is who is who are the people that are reading my book Mm. but really it's just like having like content and then putting a focus like say you're gonna tell drunk like you're writing a book about like drunk stories then you're like okay let me think write down brainstorm all of the stories of people who were drunk that I knew and then you have you know chapter one where's my shoe <laughs> Something like that. How, long, how long to how long to, to write the books that you wrote it's tough because like the way I work and it might be different for everybody is like you're like I'll get into it for a month and then I just have to step away yeah, and yeah. then I get into it for a I month and yeah. I have to step away yeah. but then like other things like when I wrote my dissertation I just said to myself three hours at Starbucks a day no matter what I'm gonna go from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. and I'm just gonna work and no, you know, turn off the Facebook, turn off the social media. Yeah, and, like, uh, and like, so there's two ways. One, yeah, discipline. And yeah. that's because the discipline, it's like what it is, is like that first, when you first start the three hours, let's say you put a block time of three hours, like the first 10 minutes, it's like, oh, I hate this. But then you just forget that and you're just in it. Yeah. You just get yeah. into the flow. The same way you do when you play hockey, the same way you do when you, you know, you're doing martial arts, you just get into a flow, but you have mm-hmm. to fight those first like few minutes of, when oh, I did the when I did the nursing book, I pay a huge uh, huge tribute to the guy who blocked Facebook on my college computer, and I just I literally just couldn't log on. And you go in and be like, oh <laughs> shit, it's blocked. No, oh, just get back to work. And there was the, the, that distraction. It wasn't even an option. It it's weird. Even checking, like, let's say I'm writing, and then you check one message, even though it takes like ten seconds or fifteen seconds. It messes up your flow sure. for at least twenty minutes. It's weird, but I can't even—I I can't even sit down on a computer anymore because it's check the scores, check the news, yeah. check my email. Ah, uh, this isn't flowing very well. Oh, click that, click this. I, read I need a computer that only has the writing program. On. I read something that like your your IQ drops like twenty percent or not twenty, or like twenty points or something every time you uh, you shift your focus to to something else. That might be bullshit. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's the IQ. Efficiency or something. I maybe. would say your efficiency, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. think that's true that your efficiency yeah. definitely does uh, drop uh, from, from like... You start drooling on yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, modern day, it's a superpower to really be able to just like focus on one thing because it's so freaking hard. It's, oh, wild. God. It's, it's a superpower hard. if you actually could do it. Yeah. So... Um, there, there's a for more than five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really. But I do, I do resonate with the with the idea of have similar experiences where sometimes you're just you're so in it and you're channeling that that information or that flow of energy and you're like, you can't get it out fast enough. And other times you're like, uh, yeah. my what, flow and, never and, starts and, coming until one in the morning. 
That's my problem. So one, till, <laughs> one, one, one till three or four is major productivity. Look, I mean, you got to know yourself, and and it's it's obviously more difficult if you have kids and you have a lot of other responsibilities. You know, one thing that I so I was talking to someone the other day about this. So I I really get into like the, I guess the biohacking end of the wellness thing. So I have oh. this aura ring. I just literally my brother sent me this the other day. What so is it? A what? It's an aura ring. It measures your sleep. It measures your um, your REM sleep. It's and it connected measures to an your, app. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't even figured out how to use the app, but no. like anyway. Um, so when I was doing the dissertation, I, I read about like how caffeine affects your sleep, right? So at first I was like going to Starbucks and I was 11 p.m. It, it was from seven to ten or eight to eleven. I think they changed the hours. This was a couple of years ago, mm. and I would have a green tea, you know, because I like to have something warm to drink while I'm working. If I have a coffee, it's just gone. Yeah. So I don't have anything to tip on. And then I, I was running out of – I had less less money. I was doing a lot of uh, – you know, I, I was running out of money. So I'm like, you know what? I don't need to spend $5, 5,000 won on a tea. I'm going to get a water at Starbucks. And then I would chew this nicotine gum. Oh. No, I'm not a smoker. Oh, I never dude. smoke. I get so many questions about this. Anyway, I changed to the gum because of, you know, finances. I wanted to save money. I got to get and nicotine gum? Is, oh. that, is that my solution? I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. It, it works for me. And and what I noticed is my sleep was really good. Like I didn't – because what, what it is is nicotine's out of your system in an hour. But if you have a coffee – The half-life is – The half-life is like six or seven hours. Yeah. So like if you have a coffee or tea or something at 11 p.m., 10 p.m., it's still in your system. You don't sleep as well. So I noticed that I got to piss lots too. If I have a late coffee, dude, I'm up hammering leaks steady. You wake up in the middle of the night, yeah. you know. So the nicotine gum for me worked really well. Like I've said that for years. I used to smoke and I always said if if there was an al- if there was an alternate like coffee and a smoke, dude, there was nothing better before going to class. Like having a, a dart and a coffee Man, and you go yeah. to class and you're just like, "Boom, you you do have that super Oh, the gum is the gum will do that. Um But I worry well. about the uh, what are, what are the any uh, side effects of that? I'm going to wake up no, the only thing I could say that might be negative is it can't be too good to like chew gum so much for your teeth. So uh, oh, the nicotine gum. Yeah, the nicotine. Okay, yeah. I chew gum. St- like I can't believe I don't have gum. Right I mean, now. I don't know. Gum? Like uh, I haven't had anything bad. No, your hair's grown back since then. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, 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 that's a different story. <laughs> that that might have been the distress of the general dissertation, not specifically the gum, but it could have been the gum. I don't know. But uh, no, I got, I chew the gum. I mean, and it's pretty. I mean, for like you know, Manwan at ten thousand won, it's uh, for like sixty pieces. It's quite a quite a bit amount. It doesn't. What's cost the me. what's the nicotine in uh, per piece? It's like there ends up being uh, four two milli- I think you can get a two milligrams or four milligrams. Can you get addicted to the gum? I'm sure you can. I mean, like anything, you can. I'm not. Like, I saw him cooking a piece in the on a spoon in my bathroom earlier, man. <laughs> like when we were when we were in college, when we were in college, and we were we were working till, you know, two or whatever. We work, go to school in the mornings, work in the afternoons, party all night, yeah, all yeah. summer long. Sure. And and you know, cutting greens at the golf course at six a.m. after drinking till two a.m. Yeah. You're like, yeah. how do you make it? We used to buy those roosters. I don't know what they're called. They used to be just ephedrine or whatever power pills. Just to, uh, to stay up yeah. and study for your exam. <laughs> you just threw in a bunch of lingo there. A veteran. Yeah. A veteran. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, they had like similar stuff in the state. Spike your, they're, spike they're, your they're heart. Uppers, but they used to be like, called roosters before. Before Monster and Red Bull and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. You used yeah, to just go to Shoppers Drug Mart and get a bottle of roosters. We had similar stuff. And you could, if it was two thirty, three in the morning, I had to drive home from my girlfriend's, and I didn't want to crash because I knew I'd be doing the bob. I just boom, 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 and you'd stay. Who's up. bobbing at three in the morning? That's a real. And you, and you'd be able to get home, dude. Our family <laughs> had a is, major problem with sleeping at the wheel when we were younger. Yeah, that I feel like you could do that in your like when you're in your early twenties, maybe even. But when you get to like thirties and forties, like you can't really. You gotta it. switch you, the nicotine yeah. gum. Yeah, you gotta switch, <laughs> you gotta switch out of that. I mean, <laughs> curious what the difference is between those ones that we used to so the pop nicotine, in university okay. compared to the nicotine gum, or is it something similar? Well, nicotine is a very uh, unique. Um, substance in the sense that if you really have anxiety, let's say you're really like like up shaking. and anxiety, like shaking, it calms you to here. And when you're real tired, it calm it brings you to the center. So it's like a centering kind of drug. Oh, dude! Do you I, recommend that in your wellness seminars? I don't necessarily <laughs> recommend it, but um, as far as being productive, as a as a better way, like I'm I, not just I a user; I'm the president. <laughs> <laughs> Was I recommend like if you have something to do, it's better to have a nicotine gum, in my opinion. Like obviously, depending on yeah. the person, and I would say you know not to just do anything, but better than caffeine at night. That's right. for sure. How uh, how often do you use it? Before you answer. I have found no. I have found instead of nick. I I didn't even know we can get nicotine gum here. Now I'm now I'm really considering <laughs> it. I was going to say like, do these guys know this is a walking advertisement? But this is my uh, a whole new market. Man. Paid for this. Target huh? market just grew to like <laughs> yeah. my all of Korea. <laughs> and he means our thirty users or thirty listeners. But uh. the what what I've been doing is the pure chocolate or like the ninety nine percent cacao. Sure. Dude, I'll smash a cup of coffee, like a strong coffee, a little bit, like not even a full bar, dude. You get like two two little squares of that, eat it. I don't know if it's a mental thing, but I just feel like, oh, I'm ready to go. And I feel like a, a little boost from the from the chocolate. Man. Sure, yeah, there, yeah. It's not a sugar one either because there's no barely that any That might sugar even be it. better than the nicotine. I know. I have to try it. Now see. you're talking me out of the nicotine. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you need to do that and then a little nicotine. Yeah. Taste, right? <laughs> it might, might be the Kinder Eggs there. Yeah, yeah. Test, test out the Kinder Eggs. Oh, I, don't I, know I think is. everybody, you just have to be your your own body. Mm. You have to just pay attention to what works. Like maybe the, the cacao works for you. Maybe the nicotine works Absolutely. for me. Maybe you try the nicotine. You're like, you know what? This gives me how uh, how often would you use it? And I only I only have uh, chocolate like before I'm working or like before I came here today. <laughs> I popped two squares. <laughs> it sounds insane, but when I want to focus and when I want to get kind of into a zone or whatnot, that it's coffee and, and chocolate. Do you find yourself using the nicotine? Only to focus, or do you wake up in the morning? You're like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, kind of no, tired like, today. Got to smash the and make it. Most of the time, I'm yeah. doing. I don't eat. I I eat one or two meals a day. Yeah. And one thing I don't do is have nicotine gum on the empty stomach. Okay. Because okay. it's you get nauseous. It's too it. awesome. <laughs> no, no, it's, you need to have a. You need to have something in your stomach. In okay. Order to, okay. In order yeah. to have the gum, I believe, at least for me. Yeah. Um. So either I take advantage of like the the empty stomach. Yep. ketosis sort of state yeah. to for focus. So I'll, I'll wake up and I'll get work done on an empty stomach and I might skip lunch and, and like be hungry and maybe even like, you know, skip dinner. And like, I might do like a, a once or 
once every other week I'll do a fast mm. and I take advantage of that. And that's probably my best focus. It sucks because I'm hungry and I'm like, I'm feeling, I'm thinking about food and I'm smelling food uh. everywhere. I go. I'll do that once in a while. But when I have a full stomach and I need to get something done, Bump. that's when I'll do it. So maybe twice a week, three times a week, depending upon like deadlines, depending upon what are I you need getting to get paid? Done. Are, you, are you a spokesperson for these guys? <laughs> I mean, if you're not, they should be paying you. Well, I'm working on it, you know. Yeah. So just you know, get 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 that my information, get my, get but my that's uh, a, message out there. Something I found too: diet or the restricted eating time is one of them. That's and that's great. something something I've adapted to pretty well. And I would, uh, if it's not what day is it? Today? Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Because it's a holiday, going to be different. But usually, I'd say on a Thursday, like I'll stop eating it. Two or during the week, usually two thirty, three o'clock. I'll have oh, wow. my last meal, and then there's nothing until eight a.m. When do you the, start eating? the next day? Oh. Eight a.m. Okay, so you start at eight. See, I do the opposite. I start Me too. at like Mine's two. A, mine's but but I it's because I work out early in the morning. When I come home, I'm like, oh, you gotta. It's feast. My it's thing feast is time. before I, as long as I work out before, that's a thing. Because I like to work out and mm. then I eat. Yeah, that, that's it. I go yeah or, super can, early you in the get morning. Up in the morning and do it. What yeah. do you do? You do lunch and dinner? Mostly lunch and dinner. Sometimes I just do dinner. Mm. It depends on like uh that's usually yeah. I'm now seven o'clock finish and don't eat till two tomorrow. But here here's nice. yeah, here's something good. that I uh that I noticed too. After I ate a huge breakfast, there's a huge dip and I'm like, Oh, I need a nap. Last Sunday we two recorded <laughs> last Sunday we and Nicorette. Um last Sunday we recorded, but I couldn't eat breakfast because whatever, we were here like eight o'clock, I think we started. And I didn't end up eating until ten. Yeah. Didn't feel a dip. I felt like, whoa, like crude. Didn't have any coffee. I don't drink any coffee before 10 a.m. Cruised right through. And I was like, I didn't feel tired at all. And through the whole day, I kind of had that sustained energy. But I don't know if that was from. That might be a better uh, routine, Mm. eating routine for you. Because, you you know, you get a cortisol spike when you wake up like an hour or two into when you wake up. Mm. It wakes you. The cortisol wakes you up and then it spikes like two hours later. Mm. But when you eat, you get you suppress the cortisol. I think that's correct. I, yeah, I'm yeah. not exactly sure with the numbers, but there's natural spikes and, and dips in your cortisol, yeah, which yeah. gives you energy. One of them is like around like nine and one of them is like two. So if you try to time it around that, it, it helps. Yeah. But I like, uh, <clears throat> again, the I think I've talked about it here before, but when I first started that, you know, restricted time eating, yeah, yeah. dude, it was like, I would eat at like three, four o'clock, seven o'clock. Your stomach is going, boo. Yeah, eat yeah. some more cereal <laughs> have a cookie you know yeah, and it yeah. was uh but that that goes away that goes oh, yeah. away after a while. There, yeah, there's yeah. no i have no hunger pangs or whatever you call it like yeah totally uh totally fine and, and yeah, adjusted yeah to sure, it. Sure. I, I i when i started i'd love i'm probably up 10 kilos from before but yeah i i was down a lot last something like down 20 something kilos last summer or wow. no a year and a half ago. I thought at first, I was like, man, f- not eating for like 16 or 18 hours a day like that. How the hell do people do that? I started doing it. And after like two or three days, I was like, well, this is, this is easy. And it was just like melting off. And I was like, well, God, this isn't, this isn't that hard. And if you're just, and and I was, I could still eat a burger or a pizza, piece of pizza or whatever I wanted. But if it was just between, you know, like two and six or two and seven, it was at the right time. And, and I was I was really amazed at how easy it was to, and I thought, wh- who tricked us for this long to say breakfast was the most important meal? Oh, it's a it's company scam. They just want <laughs> it to is bacon for it's breakfast. Just freak, it's just a, a big food. You look back, I just think back to what I ate when I was a kid, like growing up, wake up, you had orange juice. You shitting on pizza pockets, bro? 
<laughs> I was about to, but I won't go there. I won't go there. But no, like, you know, like my mother, you know, they convinced the parents, oh, you know, you need your, you need your milk. And then my mom got the skim milk because like, you milk know, it's le- less fat. Yeah. And then like, because you, it's skim milk, you have to have so much of it to feel full. Yeah. And then it's just all sugar. And then the orange juice was just like, sugar just, juice. it's basically like soda without the bubbles and the color, different oh, color. Oh, dude. And... And then cinnamon toast crunch and like all these oh, cereals fuck. like cinnamon toast. And my cavity. parents luckily they mix like they didn't let me have all cinnamon. I had to mix it with like regular Cheerios. Like what was I eating? Like I'm surprised I don't have like diabetes now. Like, but you're not like, surprised at the problem at home now. Not at all. I mean, it, I mean like, it's, looking back, it's crazy. Yeah. And you wonder. I, like, I, I'm fat, but when I go home, it's like holy shit. It's insane. Yeah. Like and, yeah. I, it, I said last time I was. Or when I was in San Francisco, I think, and maybe last time in Toronto or somewhere, going into Costco, like I, I don't think sixty and seventy year olds living on their own need to shop at Costco, do they? And they're all on they. I, I mean, all of them, but I couldn't imagine believe how many people were on motorized scooters, and still shopping at Costco for all. Of, and I was like, maybe, maybe that we got a we got a major major problem here, man. It's 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 mind boggling. Oh, and there's a lot of reasons for it whether it's there's uh, all kinds of reasons but it's i think just big big food just conned an entire generation of parents but i I think it's too a lot of people just they love like tamara said on sunday like people at home just like to be comfortable man and 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 you and you see it you see it here too where but but that's big food has made you comfortable doing partner with the tvs they partner with media they partner with this and all of a sudden doing doing dishes tv cooking your own food cook it like tv dinners and all that shit that's they're giving you the the option right do you think a big part of it was when women started becoming more prominent in the workplace that the time for cooking went away and like i I think in in my family mom mom was working because man when mom wasn't working and and even dad was home sometimes on shift work but they made awesome meals at home when we had lunch and dinner made for us but man once we we were all in school and mom went back to work because we had five kids it was M M&M and meat shops, and it was meat pies, yeah. pizza pockets, uh, microwave it, and burritos. You get anything at M M&M and M meat, and we thought it was great because it was supposed to be kind of healthy, like a meat pot pie or something. That's yeah. not bad for you, is it? It was a pot pie. Come on, but <laughs> it's better than a pizza pop. But it, but it was. They're all the same. I mean, yeah. Both parents are working. Kids are, yeah, multiple, you know, back in the day, they had, you know, many children. And like, I, I had, I have two brothers and a sister. I don't think my mom wanted to cook every meal for us. And then Christ. it's like, well, let's just go to like the store, get some frozen stuff, heat it up. There's yeah. your lunch. And like the frozen stuff has all kinds of chemicals in it. But even once we hit 11 or 12, like, I think the sandwiches stopped coming. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, there's a juice box, get a piece of fruit. Get a granola bar or something, and get us something out of the out of the freezer. Yeah. Either yeah. a burrito or a or what or make your own sandwich. Yeah. But it's yeah. so much easier to watch TV in the morning, WWF, and grab a pizza pop on the way out for lunch was a lot <laughs> yeah, easier than yeah, actually yeah. making your sandwich. Just having a sustainable or a healthy sustainable diet. You don't have to cook outrageous shit like or like really complicated meals, man. Like meal prepping, I th- I find is a really helpful thing you make some soup i mean like healthy soup not make a huge thing of soup that's good for a couple days you make some stock and you use that stock to 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 cook things for the next four weeks that's what i do yeah dude cut up like carrots and shit and just like keep them in a little bit of water and 
I, that's I think, that's I the most important. One thing. of the best things is Subway. I, I mean, and I, I love just love fresh and the way it's set up there. And I thought I just want to get that fridge container or whatever for my house where you can just have <laughs> tomatoes, onions, cucumbers, but even, peppers. But and hold just on, even every time, the, just I'll just eat that every day, no problem. But yeah, you can do yeah. that. You can do that. Just oh, the, Tupperware containers. Yeah, yeah, throw that but shit I'd like in. I like to have just the refrigerator. But Subway, hey, Subway's good in in six grams of fat or less when you have this one kind of bread with, with no, no sauce and, yeah, and sure. no meat yeah, and whatever. Yeah. I, I just mean the freshness of the veggies, like the idea of the variety that you can have access. It's all to. there, and yeah, if you could yeah. just throw it all together, I mean, you could literally make a solid salad in less than a minute. Right, yeah. right, and just peel the cover back. Done. Easy to do, man. Ten minutes of prep. Yeah, and I think yeah. I, it's it's doing that the initial having that routine or that initial thing and sustain. You got to be sustainable, man. That you can't uh, you, you can't be like oh I'm gonna it, it's a yo yo diet or or whatever you call it. You drive around here, you see lose ten kilos in in one month, and then what? Like guaranteed <laughs> to lose ten kilos in one month, and then what yeah, are you gonna do, just, man? Do you do you notice anything with your uni students, especially freshmen? Um, what, like they, every, uh, everywhere they eat I ramen? work, they pack on the pounds in first year, and I think the freshman fifteen, no, I think yeah, I think a, that in that, the Corona thirty five, that, <laughs> that, that that freedom of these guys going from high, especially like when I was at Unist, they're in the strict like most of them are in boarding high schools, mm. and it's very fixed. And they get to Eunice, and it's like chicken and beer four times a week at midnight. And, oh, shit. And, yeah. and they know they're going to the army, so their studying is not important. It's all the video games you can handle until 3 in the morning and chicken and beer with your buddies. It can't get any better. Well, like, I feel like the chicken here is just like, it's a delivery system for corn syrup. It's not even chicken. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like corn syrup delivery, you know? So, I mean, yeah, the, the, the Korean diet has changed a lot. That's one thing. That I was noticed. my next question. Man, like, I was thinking, I was talking to somebody about this. I forget who it was. But, like, yeah, they, they now, like, I mean, they're eating chicken, like, more than more than Americans are eating yeah. chicken, you know? Yeah. Like, Chicken restaurants everywhere. And it's then, shocking to me. Like, even the the awesome names of the chicken. We had uh, <laughs> like yeah. I just, some it, of it is that, some of it is amazing. There's some amazing. Oh, they here. do. They do a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And if I fire a, a, a <laughs> shovel full of of sugar in your face, man, of course it's delicious. One Jesus thing Christ. that they have no, is like the garlic. The garlic dengcho is stuff, hotter yeah. than a freaking tamale, and it's just all the garlic you can handle. Uh, listen, and, hey, and the, it's totally fine to eat it. But if you having if you're having a Tuesday at lunch and Wednesday for breakfast and then oh it's Friday, boom, gotta eat fucking chicken again. You can't do that shit. That yeah. that's the unsustainable. I'm just saying shit that's already been one said. One thing but. I don't know if it's the case because you know at least when I go to Starbucks in Korea, you don't see them putting too much of the sugar in the drinks. I do see the kids at the university. Why is anyone putting anything in? I don't know, man. Drinks? I see them. I see those. Yeah, certain, that's. I wonder, like, I I don't, I don't drink coffee. Yeah. And, and and when I see the Koreans, I go, oh, the Koreans like coffee. The Koreans don't like coffee. They like caramel, taco, <laughs> mocha, macanchico, whatever yeah, the hell it's called. Yeah. So the same thing's that's happening what they, here. That's what they like. And then you just see them, and I'm like, why do you go there? Like, my mom and dad used to drink black coffee. Like, just pour it and that's drink That's what I drink. Black like, coffee. That's it. But these yeah. guys go to the, th- and they're like, oh, do you want a coffee? And if someone doesn't know and someone's buying for five people, yeah. so they just buy, okay, five Americanos. Yeah. And I don't know what the hell's in it or not. But everyone gets their own little preference, so they go to that thing and go, I was like, oh my god, you might as well just drink the syrup. Then that's going to be a problem. I mean, but it's uh, uh, it's insane, man. And I don't, yeah. I think it's more ignorance than anything. And people are just like, oh, of course I'll have whatever the the shit. It's advertising. The it's scary, everything the scary thing it. for me here is that I was going to ask you. My question was going to be, 
how do you like Korean food and the Korean diet? <laughs> and have you noticed the change in in the younger kids that it's no longer rice soup and fish and kimchi for breakfast? It's cinnamon toast crunch and cocoa puffs because here it's not because all the women are working. I think women are just tired of being that stay-at-home mom who has to make every meal and expected to make every meal. But ask the kids now. It's waffles, cereal, toast, bread. That's all they eat for breakfast. The difference is they have it in their culture to have that like soup and rice and kimchi in the morning. But it's it's gone. It's gone, but at least the you know if the grandma's living with them, they still have, they still get it. Where like, America, the North American, at least in in the United States, we had nothing. We have no culture of like it's like well. We're going to just, the food companies are just going to stamp in like, yeah, oh, yeah. you're going to have br- cinnamon toast crunch and <laughs> cocoa puffs Fruit loops and cocoa puffs mix. <laughs> I remember like my mom was out of town. I was like, I, my mom's not there. And like my grandma and I just poured like, I was mixing like all the cereals. And I was like, I'm getting away with it. But even I remember as a kid, like I remember as a kid, like, um, like maybe I was like eight years old and like there was a soda machine, Coke machine. <laughs> and I remember begging my parents, like like I was an addict, yeah. just like, can I have change? And I would like press the the button on the machine yeah. and like try to kick the machine and shake the machine yeah, yeah, yeah. to get like the soda out of me. Where did that come from? I mean, obviously the soda tastes good, but like they brainwashed me. Like they probably put it in some cartoon or like some TV yeah, show or shit. something. Like they they know how to get into your head. I mean, like when you're young, you don't even know what's in your head. What what they get put into your head. So. Dude, I grew up in such a like really strict diet like you want a coke like saturday night like it was gross <laughs> and i remember doing uh, having a sleepover at my buddy shout out to stewie went over to his house man a little more liberal over there woke up for like i went from drinking like like my breakfast would be like a glass of carrot juice yeah and they'd yeah, mix wow. in barley green <laughs> dude i'm surprised i didn't shit my pants more often as a, as a kid yeah, they eat yeah. your vitamins and this and that i went to my buddy's house dude i swear to god i thought he was joking we ate count chocula yeah we had count chips Choc- chips ahoy cookies <laughs> and i had a pepsi and i was like this is fucking awesome <laughs> i was so pumped man and he's <laughs> it was such a well, it, it was shock absolutely more yeah, more yeah. so than coming here wow. it was so shocking going yeah, from that yeah. i didn't know the outside world man it was so <laughs> so the sad part for me here is watching these guys are all getting duped into what we've already gone through where isn't it like yeah. one in three americans I, has diabetes it's gonna it's gonna happen here it's, i call it it's so, pronounced diabetes sorry no. I, 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 <laughs> wilford brimley I, you got I, diabetes Diabetes? No, am I the only one? I'll post the I'll post the link underneath. So, but but I just Di- it's sad, and I'm like, guys, look, look, I'll show you. I'll show you what it does. Don't yeah. go for it. Oh. I have a whole thing in my book. I have it. a chapter. I have a chapter on that, like on diet, because like how many Koreans I've talked to, they go to the USA. Because when I wrote my book, I was like, I basically I go got most of my material from just talking to Koreans. Atopi and lived yeah. in the US and came back, and like I had so many <clears> stories <throat> of people. They go to the U.S. and then they eat the. They live there for a year. They do a semester, a year, and their skin gets messed up. Their their um, changes the whole stomach. gut, right? Yeah, one guy he had a really good job. I mean, he got could have had a visa renews, renewal in in uh, America, 
and he couldn't do it because his stomach was so yeah. messed up from eating like KFC sure. every day. I was like, you can't eat that. <laughs> I was like, learn how to cook, man. Like eat it. Like once this a guy... week, but, like what it was was like that's the culture in like where he was working, and it was it just screwed him up. And like <laughs> now he had to come back to Korea, and then you know he couldn't get a job for like a and year. And he started and eating half. the kyochan chicken here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but even that like doesn't screw up his gut like the yeah, U.S. Right. stuff does, you know. Yeah. So, he probably uh, grew up eating like the the healthiest organic right from his backyard like well, everything what, made everything made by hand and one like, thing about here that is a little house. different is every like if you think about Korea as a small country everything is at least the vegetables that are that are grown here are mm. not that far away they're local mm, even sure. if it's an hour or even you know a couple hours away versus like I remember I flew in for a wedding my my best friend's wedding in New York and then I go right to the wedding. I landed and I went to the wedding that night. And I literally like I was eating the chicken. And I'm like, this is a wedding chicken. Like you think it's nice, qu- high quality. I could just taste that it was like low quality. Yeah. I didn't notice that until I like literally. And and then you think like the chicken probably came all the way from California. It was probably pumped with chemicals, frozen. These are shipped. California breasts. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then they were sent across the country. So that they can make a little more money on like the the profit margins of the it's chicken. It's gross. And, and yeah. for for how small Korea is and how much of their own food they produce is mind boggling. I mean, it's great. The greenhouses yeah. twenty or twelve months a year here. The greenhouse is going, and you go to the market and as long as you eat in season, it's it's very reasonable. If you're trying to eat strawberries these days, you, you pay a fortune. But eat what's in season. It's man. better to do that anyway. It's not sure. how your body wants to. There's a company that uh, this guy that I um, my my friend told me about Farm Eight, and I I want to somehow invest in it because basically farm eight farm eight yeah and they use a eight or aid eight eight yeah yeah the 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 number eight yeah yeah. and they they basically use it's like a like a little mini greenhouse they use uv light to like grow the vegetables so the carrot maybe needs this much uv light and the tomato needs this much optimal growing man and like they they're creating these systems and now they're trying to do it with fruit as well Mm. But I'm like looking at the web. I was looking at the website. I'm like, wow, like this is the future because I mean, people don't. I think people are waking up on a global scale. Like, okay, I don't want to eat this low quality. Like, what is this? This is not Shit, a real yeah. food. This it's is the GMO, shape of a carrot, Monsanto, <laughs> like seed, yeah. like whatever. But like, people want to know, and like, you know, maybe you can have a garden in your backyard. But imagine you could just like set, press the button, and the UV light knows exactly how much. Mm. The tomato DNA needs to grow yeah. into a perfect tomato. Last week on Thursday, I was ready to quit everything and and, and start my own business and listen. To, tell me what you think. Uh, Why this? It, dude, listen. On the roof, how many blank roof or empty rooftops are here? You oh, go man. in, you drill those those little uh, like a little basin. You get the plastic tongue. I don't know, plastic yeah, yeah. cylinder. Sure. My wife's first criticism was, "Oh, you're gonna flood the roofs, but you don't need that much water, man." You'd get like, they're like these little clay pellets and it's, I, I can't remember the name of the system, but it basically just sprays the roots of the plant. Mm. There, there's a guy in New York who does it, grows all his own stuff for his restaurant. But why isn't they, it? Because that's been around for years now. I mean, that's been around for 10, 15 yeah, years probably. What? Yeah, at least 10 years. I, I don't know. I don't know. I How oh. I imagined it, imagine like this little neighborhood. Are you familiar with around here? Like near McDonald's? Yeah. Or even just over, thing, over yeah, by yeah. McDonald's? I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Imagine if this was just like one little territory like this. Say it's like 30 or 40 different apartments. If each one of them, whoever paid or whoever, you could like rent your roof or whatever if you're a landlord, right? You rent the roof and there's one kind of manager for all of those things who goes around and checks. And maybe you could rent out one little uh, commercial space and, and sell all the food locally. Where was this grown? 
right there. Like, you know, you're growing yeah, tomatoes. Like, yeah, why is that not a thing? It could be all integrated with. Um, I think it's happening in Europe. From what it's I vaguely remember. Oh, really? Yeah. Vertical. Yeah. Because they have to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no space. Yeah. I mean, and they're tired of this Monsanto stuff. And in Canada, in the States is the worst because it's got to travel so far. That and then it's actually against the law to like do that. In that zone, that that was a big thing here. They were trying to do something with uh, Techno Park. They were trying to do a setup and they got blocked because it was against the law to grow. That kind of thing where the government gets involved in like what kind of food you want to grow in your own your backyard. That's kind of wacky, you know. You're you're big into into the wellness stuff. How does this stuff relate to tourism? Tell us a little bit about you know doing your PhD, some of the research you've done, and and the trends and stuff in the in the tourism or this wellness tourism sure, sure. field. So when I when I started my PhD and the thing about the PhD is when you do a PhD it's it's not like traditional like ed- university education where you have teachers tell you what to do. It's really like your own self-education. Yeah. They guide you, they show you how to do the statistical sort of research, but for the most part you choose the topic you choose what you want to learn. And there's so much out there that, you know, you kind of choose. So I chose wellness tourism because one of the professors that was like my kind of my, my advisor, he, he was into that. And he's like, look, you know, you're, 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 you're always into like healthy things and you have a martial arts and a, and a athletic background. So you might as well do that. So like I, you know, started getting into the, the wellness and then tourism is an academic subject. So I chose the topic of wellness tourism. And so for my research, I was in America and I was doing research for the, actually some research for the Korean government. I was doing a little project and Black um, ops. I found, I found this um, lady, uh, I found this lady's website and she was in Denver and I was visiting my sister in Denver uh, over the winter. And then I was like, I messaged a lady. I'm like, listen, I'm in Denver. I'm doing this research. Let's meet up. So I met up with her. And then we developed a relationship. And then a year later, we're organizing my dissertation research. And the thing is, she had, it's very hard to get data like uh, from a survey because, I mean, like if I ask you to fill out a survey, it's like, oh, okay. And you don't really want to, you know? Mm. And it's hard because if I post my Facebook, maybe I'm going to get like, you know, 30 people to fill out the survey. I, I, re- I replied. Like, 10 people, you know? <laughs> even my own mother, like, my, I asked my mom, can you fill out the survey? And like, she didn't even fill it out. Like, year, yeah. months later, like, you know, after I already analyzed the data, she's I'm like, I did breakfast. your survey. I'm like, thanks. Like, I mean, I, I'm glad that you did my, I'm glad you did my survey research. I really needed your data and I'm glad that you did it finally, you know? But, um, so, but she has a database of like thousands of people and she wanted my level of research. Cause you know, that like, like industry research sometimes is not exactly as accurate. They kind of, they more like, it's more marketing than it is real true research mm. or the academics, they almost take it too far the other way where they're very like strict and it becomes almost boring when mm. they come up with the results. So like, I'm like, let's work together. So she opened up her database. We designed a survey together where we used like her language, the language of the consumer. Cause she knows the consumers of the wellness better than anyone with my academic mm-hmm. rigor, uh, with the academic rigor that I use. And we came up with a survey. Unfortunately, when we were about to release the survey, COVID-19 like oh. started. <laughs> so we like, let's delay the survey a month. Maybe the COVID will go away, you know, like just, just give it a month, you know, yeah. it'll be gone. Like this was about a year ago when we released it. And so we waited and then we ended up like, we kept the survey as it was, but we added one more question about like, what is your new motivations because of COVID-19? And we really we we, left, we released a survey in March. We did the March until July. And you know the survey data was we had about almost 
altogether, like my dissertation research was part of that, but we actually kept collecting data because mm. the research was so much more than I needed a specific amount of data right. for the for the dissertation. Mm. But we ended up with the with my um, with my colleague with the Wellness Tourism Association. Almost four thousand people filled out the survey. So most, it was a lot of data. Most of those people are from her database, which are American. Amer no, yeah, North American, mostly U.S., Canada. Some, you know, some people from other countries. But yeah. I would say 90 percent. I think it was okay. from North America. From yeah. The, and um, what were the biggest outcomes? Or so, um, well, generally it was, you know, the obvious things. Nothing, nothing too surprising. People go on a vacation, a wellness vacation for like rest and relaxation and what is what is the definition of a wellness vacation because when i i know you've been in it and i follow your stuff but sure. I everything's well i mean partying in thailand was a wellness vacation yeah. for me 10 years ago because sure sure that was i was on top of the world was the most healthy i've ever been man on top of the world <laughs> you know going golfing is, is a wellness vacation and and you know going to singapore to play hockey was a wellness vacation yeah and, yeah i i know what you mean so so like the way and it's a very the thing is a lot of marketing people they use the word wellness to kind of like put yeah. a little, put a little uh, perfume onto whatever they're selling mm. the way I define it. And like you ask another person, they might have a totally different definition. Yeah. It's like, so you have this like spectrum of health from like unhealthy on one end of the spectrum to being really well on the other. And in the middle is, the, is your average person, the average person, the average health, maybe North American is a little bit less than average, but yeah. you get the idea. So, the idea of the wellness vacation is some vacation where it's going to move you towards this super healthy being, whether it be by like having very uh, delicious, healthy food, having exercise, having yoga. Have, so that's like, what I was wondering if it had to involve meditation, yoga, aromatherapy, these kind of things. It or... even could, yeah, I mean, it even could be like, you know, maybe you know, uh, you're having some problem with your, you know, your wife or your girlfriend and like you go there and you go through a workshop and then like, you know, like forgive each other and like you feel better about the relationship. So it has to be like, like an emotional component. There's some sort intended, of intended. Yeah. Intention and movement. Because going and sitting on the beach for most North American people is a wellness and vacation. And it could be if they're, if that's going to avoid burnout because right. the idea of like, so like the vacation, because like a lot of, you know, a lot of times, you know, people go to the full moon party and they, they don't have, you know, they just do the full moon party. They don't really, you know, they don't do ecstasy and get they don't, <laughs> come they don't on. Do it like AJ and do it. <laughs> exactly. So like, you know, you, it, it depends. And like a lot of vacations are mixed with like, you know, the, the, the fun and the unhealthy things. I was going to say, it seems like most vacations things. go a little bit to the left and then a little to the right and you're back at the same spot when you leave. And, and that's true. And like, I mean, so you're, lo you're looking basically for the underlying motivations for going on vacation. Yeah. Is that, okay. I mean, and, and, you know, I guess all tourism in, in some sense is wellness. I mean, people are traveling because they want to have like, <laughs> I'm going to get in a fight. Absolutely. Yeah. Physical, you know, I go to more, you go train in Muay Thai in Thailand. To me, that's a wellness vacation. Absolutely. Uh, so you, you're is, you looking know? to nail down the, the reasons people yeah. are going in a tribute. And, that to and I think at this how it can point, benefit. you know, people are uh, in the world, especially the Western world, the, they 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 demand it. Like if you go to a hotel, maybe I'm like this. Maybe you guys are like this. It's like, where's the gym? Is there a gym? I'm paying eighty bucks or I'm paying a hundred dollars a night, and that's wellness. And and oh, <laughs> dude. dude, this place is awesome. It's forty bucks a night. Huge pool. Uh, everything's close by. Hundred meters from the beach, but it doesn't say there's a gym. Yeah, dude, you work out on the beach. Do a beach workout for a week. Dude, they don't got plates. No, on the no, beach. I need, I need a gym. 
Yeah. For a week, you can't work out on the beach. You're but if they had a couple away. kettlebells, you probably would have been like, oh, I can go to the beach with the kettlebells. You know what I mean? Let, like, call it extreme. But when I was traveling around, <laughs> when I was traveling around, uh, or we drove from Ontario to Quebec. And we stayed in one hotel, dude. I brought dumbbells in my trunk. My <laughs> wife's like, "You're I'm your like friend. you. I'm like you." Listen, yeah, I, yeah. Was in, I was in, I was in the one hotel. We, st- I, I purposely booked the one hotel. Uh, it was like a Holiday Inn or yeah, something yeah. like that, and it had a sauna. <laughs> we'll get into the sauna stuff after. Um, it had a, a proper gym or whatnot, but the one hotel we stayed at, dude, it was just like that, like more like a motel. It was just like you know a corridor with all uh, the rooms dude i was in there doing my gsp like <laughs> plyometric, GSP, workout. plyometric workout i'm ju- <laughs> i'm jumping back and forth i'm doing burpees and shit the lady yeah, yeah. <laughs> the lady comes with her cart I'm like excuse me what and i just keep just keep cruising man i'm sweating <laughs> i gotta get it in in the morning i'm a better person I hear you, yeah. man. I'm, I'm, I'm like you are yeah yeah <laughs> but i love even going to a new city man what a it's so exciting for me like i run on a treadmill six days a week to go to a, a new uh, a new city and kind of explore, even get it lost in some neighborhoods or whatnot. Sure. That's awesome. I, I love, absolutely love that. But I think I read was... one of your things that said after Corona, X percent of people traveling will be wellness tourists. Is that? Well, that it's right? hard did to say what, thing? um, yeah, no, there was a trend there. It wasn't my, I mean, I did discover that and I had an open-ended question asking about the motivations. And a lot of people were like, I want to be proactive about health. Because even people like that normally, like someone like my mother and her partner, like they're biking every day. And like, I think her partner lost like, you know, 10, 10 uh, kilograms. Like people are more aware of their health because they're like, oh, wow, I get like, I don't want to get sick. What can I do? Mm. So if like maybe, maybe they're Googling about some vitamin C or vitamin D or maybe they're like, vitamin okay, how can I, how can I like, you know, uh, do some, <laughs> do something to avoid the, uh, you know, getting sick. Or, yeah. So people are already waking up. They want to. Be more healthy so that if they get sick they're not going to get really sick or they're not going to die but i was wondering when i read that or when i read your analysis of it or whatever i was reading yeah yeah sure. if that meant like uh yoga tourism or meditation tourism or these are going to be the like everyone's going to be not everyone but whatever percent was going to be looking specifically for those things and yeah. because i thought like you know eat pray love there or whatever after that book came out I mean, everybody was going to bali to to do the medication camp the meditation yeah camp. yeah sure and sure and I wonder if this will be a similar thing after this that, you know, yoga, meditation and, and getting but, you know, hold on. juices but, flowing in the right directions or whatever and getting healthy. Will back be to the thing. sustainable part, something that uh, Simone Dupree, when she was on, what she talked about is the illogical thinking of like, if I go to Bali and I do this three week yoga retreat, like my whole life's going to change. But it's not. You know, you gotta you gotta bring those practices back home. Yes and, and no. no and, I mean, it, does, it definitely does change. For it some could be people, a catalyst to but, something else, but, but probably not the majority of them. No. Yeah, it could be a catalyst, but I think, dude, you gotta you gotta nail down your shit at home first, and then, well, yeah, do, do, sure, do, sure. A, do well, a everyone pump up. everyone has a, is on a different journey, right? So yeah. it's hard to like say one thing or another. I do like the I do like the proactive idea though, and I've always thought that like you know you're better off being. Uh, you know, make you're keeping a healthy body before some bad shit happens. And I think that's going to become more of a trend. Obviously, we don't know yet because we're mm. still dealing with this corona. It hasn't mm. really changed in the last couple of months. And so, and then as far as wellness tourism is concerned, because of that, is no way of knowing what's really going to happen. All I know is people are like aware of their health, and people more than ever. Like I try to order vitamins, and they're all sold out. If because- there is, if there is a silver lining to to COVID, it is people have 
got the chance to step back and reevaluate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, if you are the smoker, if you are, um, if you are, do have unhealthy practices, maybe this is a, a good wake up call for you, right? Yes. What, what do you think then of Korea and the trends that go on here? Like I shop at Costco probably 90% of the time. It's one stop. It's easy. I get almost everything I need and I got, I'm feeding four people. I can get it sure. in bulk. Like, is it called krill? Krill oil? Krill oil. Yeah. yeah. And is it like, Man, somebody put something on TV, and the next week every adjunct is looking for hunting for this thing. So Costco's a good place to watch these trends because it yeah. seems like whatever's on the home shopping, Costco has the next week, and you know it because there's always like twenty adjuncts around, and they're checking their phones, and okay, it is a good price, and this is the right one. This is gonna make me superwoman, and I'm never gonna have himdada or hodiapa again. And and it's like <laughs> these, these things are there all the time. Like you say, oh, people are more aware, but is it just following these trends and whatever the freaking guy shows on TV? Because for me, that's what it seems here. Like somebody said vitamin D. Oh, we're not getting enough sun. Well, that's not a new revelation. I mean, everybody knows you don't get enough sun in the winter, especially the Korean. They don't even get enough in the summer. But yeah. just now they started thinking of taking vitamin D. Yeah, I think a lot of the the business models, this like, you know, home shopping network, just copied from the West mm. and they just do it really well. And then like people predictably they know how to push the right buttons whether it be like you know home shopping network or on you know instagram and facebook now like i think here like the trends it's not even wellness to me but you know to some people it is it's the beauty the beauty um masks and the beauty products the, the makeup but i can't business. believe how many things like, the average i don't know if average woman or because or, i'm sure they make their husbands take it too because, i took i, I like the krill oil I, but you know, here, I swear to God, I did. Thing is, you know, when you get gookbop and those little, like, the little, uh, the, it's like a Mirchi? fish thing. Mirchi? The anchovies? Yeah, the little, they're like, uh, it's like pink color. Side dish? Shrimp. Is it, yeah, that's yeah. krill in there. That's yeah. krill. It's free yeah. krill. Yeah. You just get gookbop and you get the krill. Yeah, like, but that's what I mean. Like, for like, but that's what I mean. Like, these guys eat seaweed all the time. They eat all these, they eat all, they have a pretty healthy diet. Yeah, the Korean diet. diet, I mean, with even the, the, the organ meats, like, actually, organ meats right. are really healthy for sure. you. That is really healthy. And now they're moving towards the, the Western thing. I saw this when I was in, I was <laughs> staying in the Philippines. It's like, uh, and like, I remember in Philippines, I was like living there for a couple of months training. I was training some Marshall, the screamer there. Mm. So I was living with a guy and like, I would go to the supermarket there and there was like, people were the coconut oil, by the way, there is like cheap and right. it's like yeah. plentiful everywhere. And people were buying like some American oil. And like, <laughs> they were, it was like five times the price. Gasoline. It was like, <laughs> it was like corn oil from America yeah. or something like that. And I'm like, and I'm like, and it was Chevron. like so much oil. Yeah. yeah, it was like Chevron oil. <laughs> and like, and I'm like, why? I'm I asked the Filipino guy, I'm like, why? He's like, oh, this is much healthier. Co coconut oil is bad for your heart. Yeah, like, what are you Jesus. talking about? You've been living. I mean, you're 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 you know thousands of years of using this oil yeah. for cooking food. Look at your people. <laughs> and now you're and now you're using American. You're trusting the American oil. But so that's like, but that's that's, like that's what I mean. Like these guys, especially you know maybe let's say above forty, they still have a pretty. Minus the booze and a few chickens, they have a they have a pretty healthy diet still. The the kids under thirty are atrocious. I mean, it, it's it's getting ridiculous. But <laughs> but these are the guys going out buying like that's another one. The coconut oil at Costco and the what's the butter? One of the uh, almond almond butter or something. Oh, almond butter, yeah, like, yeah. They just they just jump on these, but they don't know. Their undie told them it's good, so they're all lined up to buy it. And I, I know that happens at home too, but here I think they're a much in average on average they're much healthier than we are already. And eating seaweed, seaweed gives you this. And eating myokguk 
you know, once or twice a week gives you this. But in America, in Canada, maybe we got to go buy all those things or vitamins or whatever because we're not we're eating all processed shit. Yeah, yeah. But but here to see them line up and just go bananas over these whatever the newest oil or or lotion or whatever is at Costco just Meh. blows my mind. What do you uh, what do you think about alcohol? Do you have a professional and personal opinion? Alcohol yeah. the last couple of years it just destroys me. Yeah, okay. Like yeah. I don't I I drink I have like one beer and then like I need more like two more hours of sleep to like feel this one beer. So it's it's the last few years I'm you know I'm getting uh, almost forty so I just don't process it. Maybe it's doing like one meal a day sometimes. Yeah. And my, my stomach is more empty when I drink or I don't have a lot of like food in my stomach. Whatever it is, so I don't. It must like, be so, it must be something like that because we were watching the Super Bowl on Monday and those guys had twenty to twenty five shots each. Uh, yeah, I would I be out for a month. And, and and I don't I don't drink very much anymore. Yeah, almost it's... ever. And I, I'm you know. Two or three beers, and I'm I feel mangled, like I feel drunk, wife, and I don't know. Advantage. And even and even the next morning, you know, yeah, I feel groggy or something. But how do those guys function at fifty five drinking that much stuff? And they it, it blows my mind. Sustainability, man. and the Korean the Korean ajishis. Gosh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can still drink a lot, but then what happens is the next day it's like a waste of a day. And I started realizing when I started doing grad school that I I don't want to waste a whole day. Like I, like when you're just lying in bed all day long and then it's like you're, and then it's the Monday and it's like, but I never, I never used to, Hey, in the old, like before you came, yeah. we would drink till three in the morning on a Friday night and I'd be teaching a private at eight in the morning Yeah, you and I come back home and three guys slept at my place and they're still sleeping. I was like, I just made 200, 300 bucks and you guys are still sleeping. But, yeah. and, and I don't know. It was just, Hey, get your ass out of bed and go make money. Nah, boom. But can gone. you do that now? I don't have to do it now. So I, I, <laughs> but could you? Like, let's say you drank till three. Could you wake up at eight? Not current. But if I was single and didn't have responsibilities and stuff. You think yeah, you, okay. I'm just saying like. When my kids are pulling my eyes open at yeah, seven. Yeah. And then, what I mean is like physically, like the body yeah, doesn't pr- process the alcohol like definitely it used be to. Different. I think when you're in your 20s and like, you know, it's a lot, it's just easier to to do that. But God, I, mean, I remember classes at SK and, and it's one-on-one in a vice president's office at the top of the building. And the guy would say, one moment, please. And he oh, would man. go, and you would just hear. <laughs> and the guy comes back 20 minutes later, and I'm like, Mr. Kim, everything cool? He's like, no problem, no problem, man, no problem. And I was like, dude, you just barfed your lungs out in the uh, bathroom. And he's like, okay, everything okay. <laughs> like, oh, how do they do that day after day, man? It was mind-boggling. I don't know how they can yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. I guess you just get used to it. That's a you do. permanent state of pickledness. Permanent <laughs> state of pickledness. You, got it. That's, you said it best. Jeez. But it's yeah, I I agree, man. Uh, it, it takes more out of you the older the older you get, and it's harder to harder to come back. And if you have kind of a high functioning lifestyle, I guess like yourself, grad student, always exercising, you need you know you need that extra energy, and you don't want to waste your free time just flopping around in your bed on a on a Sunday. You wanna yeah, you wanna get out and enjoy and do something yeah, else. Yeah, especially if it's like a nice day on a Sunday and you're just lying. But if you gave that guy one piece of nicotine gum, he'd be out for a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have in store for the future? You got more research planned? You're gonna write yeah, another book? Yeah, I I've been well, um I've been thinking about this because the the tourism it doesn't look like it's gonna be setting <laughs> off in the next couple of months, uh to say the least. But 
What about domestic tourism? Domestic, yes. Domestic is going to be something uh, that is uh, one of one of the my research trends was about nature tourism. I think people are realizing like nature is beautiful and just getting out. I think mm-hmm. being stuck at home and being in lockdown or some kind of semi lockdown, people want to like get outside and also get away from their phones because people are like constantly connected to their phones all the time. I don't know so about I that part, but like, Korea's gotten really good at the nature part. Like with hike, sure. hiking and biking now is incredible. Oh I mean, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's. Oh, sorry. Just, I know it might not be the, fun, but it, but they do it in mass numbers, and and they get out there. Now. I brought my my daughter's bike in yesterday to get the tube tire or whatever replaced, and the guy did some oil and shit. You got your tubes tied? He got my tubes tied. <laughs> um, well, my son was with me, walking around. He's like, "Oh, dad, I like this bike." I look. I'm like, "Dude, that that bicycle costs more than our car. How about this one? Like, that also costs more than our car, dude. There's not a." Uh, the cheapest bike in there was Beck Chishipman, seventeen hundred bucks. What the hell? Listen, twelve thousand dollars, nine thousand. The, the average connect with nature or not? The average Jeez. bike in there was eight million one. Gosh, my kids, I like the blue one. I'm like, you better start working, dude. What do you? I just you buy doing? like a used bike for eighty bucks. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm not doing anything. Too I bought it. I just I bought it. Like giant, like the the giant brand, which I think is a pretty reasonable brand. Very good brand. Two hundred. Two hundred bucks. I drive it yeah. up and down the Tewa River. Sometimes that's I. All you need. You don't need like what? What is a fancy bike gonna do? Unless you're racing or something, or like. Yeah. Dude, like, I don't know. Ask the adjectives who who meet. Well, you're not allowed in our group yeah. unless you have it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Aren't you gonna bad. feel like a I'm dick? Don't bring two hundred dollar bike. Don't bring your Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> they do have gangs though. Like there is a cycling gang with all fat tire bikes. Uh-huh. Sure, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Have you seen? Yeah, I don't get those fat yeah. tire bikes either. How about this? I don't get them riding down the river. I thought they're supposed to be off-road bikes. Driving over cars and shit at monster truck rallies. <laughs> I don't know. But the, uh, I saw they had tires yesterday. I don't even know how this works. How do you have a tire with no tube? They got tubeless tires. Because they're like... Uh, Is it just a fat piece of rubber? No, it's like if they're they're solid tires. They're like silicone or something. What is it? Like the casing, balance, some the balance yeah. bikes, the balance bike yeah. tires. They're like a hard silicone or something. Ah. There's no, there's no, nothing inside. You can't get a puncture; just a piece will rip off. Huh. Anyways, I should probably get one of those. So what research? So my research. No? So yeah. so one of the things I'm thinking about because before you get into any research, you always want to like do a little like background and thinking. And I came across the other day. <laughs> Jungle bushes in the sun. <laughs> so the idea of working from home and how that is affecting the employee wellness, the employee well-being. It's Ooh. a very interesting topic because, I mean, this is, the, this is a total game changer. Everyone being on Zoom, doing classes on Zoom, working from home. And um, I'm thinking about how, like, how does an employee feel? And how is it going to change the the workforce internationally? Um, maybe in Korea, one guy that I was talking to, he was saying that he doesn't think it's going to change too much in Korea. How Koreans are more of a traditional culture, but like already North changed America, a ton here. It already okay. already changed a ton. Because that's like my wife. That's like my wife saying they don't eat brunch ten years ago. They don't eat brunch. Yeah. And yeah. my wife saying Bullshit. they don't wear Lululemons. No, it's all you can get. Right, it's right, all they right. wear now. Yeah, right. You no, know, Koreans are too conservative. They don't want to show off their bum. Well, then Lululemon's with a long shirt, but they all wear them now. You want to see Korean bums, bro? Check out my Instagram. <laughs> Check out my Instagram. I got sucked in the other day too. Un- <laughs> are they? Are they filters? Are they filters? 
Those can't be real asses. Like, <laughs> their waist is the size of this microphone, yeah, and they got a J-Lo ass on them. It's unreal. It's unsustainable. You want to talk about unsustainability? That is unsustainable. <laughs> yeah, what you got for the research? So, no, I, 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 this is, it's not what I'm researching, but uh, it's uh, waist to hip a ratio. little different, just a little bit different than that. No, like, just the idea of, like, okay, you, like, let's say you're a company. The commer- First of all, the commercial real estate in the Western countries are going to go down because people are going to be working from home. And yeah. they're thinking about the companies are talking about how can we, okay, we want to have our employees work from home because talented employees, if you're like a high level talented employee, you're going to demand it. Sure. And then if you can work from home, you can live wherever you want. So like, let's say you want to live. That's the mass exodus is out of New York and, and California. Exactly. Right now. Yeah. So I'm thinking about that. And then if you're, let's say, okay, let's say you want to, you want to live in Hawaii and you mm. want to work and you're a talented employee and you tell Google, you tell Tesla, you're like, listen, I want to work here. And they respect that because if they don't let you do that, Facebook's going to buy, yeah. Facebook's going to pick you up because you're a talented worker. And then, they're, then they're talking about how do we keep the employee cohesion? Because, you know, you want to make sure that the employees mm. are like loyal to the company and they still have the high, commu- high level communication Big so they're meetings. talking about renting out resorts once a month for employees to meet mm. and it, it's not a vacation but it's like a, a sort of thing or maybe team even building. the idea yeah team building or even like let's say you're a young guy or a girl and you want to like have a maybe you work best when you're living at a resort you, because right now the tourism is dead but imagine <laughs> you can stay at a wellness resort you can stay in some nice hotel where you get a massage and you just like go on your computer because if you don't have to commute Right. I mean, how many hours do you actually have to work? You don't need a car. You don't need a car. Insurance, gas. Everything is cheaper. You sure. lower, lower carbon footprint. So, so I was listening to a guy yesterday or the day before, and he was saying that this this move is is similar and a little bit not similar to the telephone. And I think he said Graham Bell invented it in eighteen the late eighteen hundreds. Right, right. But fifty percent of Americans didn't have a phone until nineteen fifty or nineteen forty. And he said, nobody wanted to buy one because if I don't know anyone that has one, why would I buy one? I can't call Network everybody. Effect. Yeah. There's no, what's it called? Network effect. Yeah. He, there's another, there's another. Uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and um, so he said, but with this one, like the video conferencing Skype has been around for 15 years, man. Right. These, these, but I had no that. one's, yeah, I had but that. no one's ever done it. But now all of a sudden, boom, we've leapfrogged this, whatever it's called, this period where we were all forced to. And now. You can do Zoom because I know I can phone Johnny on their side of the world, and he's going to say yes because I know he knows how to use Zoom, so I can interview him. Right. But before, nobody really knew how to do it, and everyone had the capabilities, but nobody was doing it. Right. But now, because of this, it leapfrogs that, and now you don't have to. You, you can just do all these these online conferences, online meetings, online interviews. And he said it, the telephone took this long because this period where. You know, once people start, okay, now he's got one. He's got, okay, I'm going to get one now because I can phone. Exactly. But we've all had the capabilities to do these video conferencing calls for ages. But it's just never been mainstreamed. And now this has done it. And we've skipped that period where now everyone, even my mom and dad and grandma grandpas have Zoom. Oh, yeah. My mom's like, oh, I got to go. I have a Zoom, like, uh, so, church so, thing. I'm so like, we okay. skipped the whole thing. Like, old people said, well, this is a weird thing. It's uncomfortable. I don't know how to use the phone. So I didn't buy one. And young people didn't have enough money. And middle-class people or middle-aged people didn't know anyone who had one. So no one ever needed one. But but now that we all have computers, we all have smartphones, and boom, he said, we just leapfrogged like 50 years of whatever this development or stage is called. And now it's going to be completely normalized because of this. Right. I, right. I, I, I'll so send it to you. It's really, really Yeah, that's, that's very interesting, that, that analogy with the phone. It's it's. 
but how is that going to affect work? And then how does that going to affect employee well-being? They're talking about in this thing. It's like, because like when you're working from home, maybe like your neck hurts because you're using this table instead of the desk offer to work. So then there's all these lawsuits now where employees are forced to work from home and they're saying, my neck is messed up. I had to see the, the pain doctor. You know how it is. And like, but the point <laughs> is, so then now companies are like, okay, we're going to ship these people some nice office equipment so right. their back doesn't hurt. Yeah. So people are totally rethinking stuff. No. So I'm wondering how that is going to affect employee well-being. So I might I might you do my wellness research, my well-being research, and focus it on that because that is such a pressing issue in the modern day with every company really in the world that has you know uh, several employees. I mean, it's like I wonder if the well-being though is is attached, and I, I think there is how shitty it is to drive to work in traffic and and whatnot. Isn't connection? or being connected to someone important but, as But well. I think you'll connect in different ways, right? Your connection will come from other ways. You'll have more free time. you got more more, more time, time, more hobbies, or... more time outside, more time doing other stuff. Yeah, but you make it sound like, oh, I get to stay home now. I'm going to go start talking to my neighbors. But I don't, I don't think know that's if I would want to be I think... home. Like maybe, okay, like I live in a small apartment and like I need to leave my apartment to get work done. I need to go to mm-hmm. a Starbucks. I can't do it from home because my home is... What my I'm saying room is, uh, is relaxation. It's like a relaxation room. Oh, but I think what's going to happen is it'll swing the one way where everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. What a, what a novelty. I get to work at home. But then it'll swing back the other way. And I think some people will be like, ah, you know, I kind of enjoyed. Maybe it's it's the Maybe same, it's sure, it's the same so. thing as Korean women cooking. Like when you're forced to do it, you're like, oh, this is bullshit. I want to do the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Stay at home. And now we're like, oh, you know what? The office wasn't that bad. I get away also, from my goddamn The kids. other thing I wonder is like the people who are like maybe someone in the workplace, they're like the kind of people that get work done. They're like really high level employees. But then you have people that are political animals. And they actually, they're very good. They're not very the best workers, but they're very good at like just playing the politics. Can they do that? If they're working from home, so it's going to change the I mean, dynamic I, of the company. I think in the right? end, it's going to be a hybrid of, of the two. It's going to be a hybrid. Some sure. people definitely thrive in the actual office space. Sure. But sure. but I think they're, the current model is is toxic. I mean, nine to five, two hour commutes in Toronto. It, yeah. It's it's insane, and that's not. You spend your whole day work related. You get home, you got emails, you got tech. It just doesn't stop. So you, if you're doing that, you might as well do it from home or in a place that you're comfortable with. And if it's a hub in each neighborhood or something that you can go into right. if you need to or or whatever. But I don't think you're going to have those central office spaces. I think it was in – no, it wasn't Niagara. But it was somewhere at home. My buddy posted they, they renovated an old train station and they made it like a shared office. Shared office, sure. That's sure. such a cool – what, a, what an awesome space. And that's, I think, going to be a trend as well because yeah. there's going to be a lot of cheap commercial real estate that's going to you know go up for sale that – you know, people are going to try to find a way to so like fill it up with people the, that want to work. The second part of this guy's thing was how it relates to politics mm-hmm. and all these guys moving to states like Arizona. So I think he said the biggest influx of people moving domestically in the states was Arizona and Georgia. Yeah. The two states who just just went oh, that's blue. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. now you have all these guys, blue guys from New York and California moving, moving there. To, moving to Florida. And it, it's going to have Texas, a huge yeah. influence on the political the spectrum as well, oh. which... I don't think of things that deeply. Usually, when I and I'm like, holy shit, man, that yeah, that's a that's a big deal. It'll it'll change the whole dynamic. Yeah. And he said it doesn't even have to be. He he crunched the numbers and went down to like ten. If ten percent of people just who decide out of the people who decided to work from home decided to move, move places, that would be enough to make it not even close to a swing state anymore. And I was yeah, like, holy I mean that's shit, that's man. that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, the whole I'm thing curious is- what factors have to. What would be the threshold to make it worthwhile? That'd be something I'd be interested in 
Yeah, I what, mean, everyone's well, different, but what are the the common trends and thresholds of what would make it worth? Well, I think our generation, your well being, a to lot move. of people like you know, are if you're if you don't have children, that's a big factor because if you have kids, you you know, some some people want to be home all the time, and then there are some people that maybe want to get away from the house. You know, if if you can have someone, if you have enough money, like mm. my my brother, for example, he works in California, he works at Tesla, and he's like, you know, he has to work from home because of the virus, so. But like, so he has a young baby and he, and like him and his wife both work. So they take the baby to a childcare center because they cannot have the baby at home. Mm. Like, you know, the yeah, baby's a, a one year old, I think, you know, so it's, there's a lot of factors, dynamics, but because yeah. we're, because our generation's different, less children, there's a lot of people who are single. There's a lot of people that are, you know, don't have any children. So because of that, it's different. Yeah. But I could see a lot of people moving to like climates that are more comfortable climates. I was just like going to say, climates, just like, New York to Florida is yeah. a massive difference in, imagine if you can move from Winnipeg to, to Texas or Arizona or California. I mean, just yeah. the seasonal depressional disorder, just the... Right, right. The, like my, my, one of my buddies in Canada, he's like, I want to, I can't wait because like I can't, my company won't let me. But as soon as they do, I'm going to be moving somewhere warm because he's in you know he's in ontario and mm. he's like i want to get out of here my buddy I just I my just... buddy in toronto is looking at uh at real estate more up north and he's like yeah I, I can work remotely now and he just he wants to go more north in the in the wilderness and whatnot sure, but sure. i said, sent it yesterday good move yeah. our holiday vacation for the chinese new year is 18 Look 17 16 degrees and buddy sends me <laughs> yeah same here minus 26 minus 20 yeah. <laughs> holy shit yeah, yeah. like yeah. I would move, yeah. I would move in a second, man. His yeah, uh, his comment before was hilarious. He goes, <laughs> oh crazy. yeah, good. you know the weather here is the same. What do you say? My car doors are frozen. <laughs> my my back patio. I can't go on my back patio. It's like yeah. walking. It's like walking on the moon. He said, man, Unreal. yeah. So, so I think that's interesting, and it would be interesting here how it how it is and how it goes in different countries. You know, because some business cultures are different, and then like if you like if you like how they handle the the virus here like things is kind of normal i mean it's not that different but like in some countries there's a complete lockdown mm. so how the people are going to respond after covid that's a big question mark no doubt. and i think that's going to be interesting uh to study and, and know because i think businesses are going to want to know how they're going to have to deal with employees employee well-being because in the end like a, you know you might be a good employee it could be i was joking with a friend earlier like okay if you're like working for a company and then like you're working from home you don't really feel any connection to that company so maybe like the next company offers you a deal and you're like, oh, I'll change company. It might be like company Tinder where these high level employees get to like work for one company, then work yeah. for another company. And like it's like they don't feel any loyalty. Yeah. So it's hard to get because you don't have that emotional connection if people are working from a distance. So you wonder how they're going to be able to create that. You heard it here first. Company <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> free pack of nicotine every time you yeah, sign yeah. up for a referral ship, ship you the, the, nice, <laughs> the nice comfortable velour yeah company uh, company uh, company chair company desk company computer with the nicotine gum. yeah <laughs> just stay with us we'll keep we'll keep sending you goodies as part of uh getting your phd yeah you're gonna you're gonna stick with the academic side or are you looking to uh to monetize some of your Again, every, any so, okay, any idea so, that comes to me or when I'm doing my master's, I'm like, oh, how can, how yeah, can I use this to make more money? Yeah, what, yeah. what is the ROI? Yeah. You know, I, I'm from a business background, so of course Absolutely. I'm not going to ignore the, the big picture yeah. of, of like that. So, so how do you – So the way that the um, academic world works, 
maybe I don't know about North America because I, I haven't done anything yeah. there. Basically, the, the professors in Korea, they 30% of their job, 30, 40% of their job is teaching. And then another 34% of their job is the you know administration work, recruiting students, getting students jobs. And then the other 30, 40% is Counting projects. Counting money. No, oh, okay. projects. <laughs> so projects <laughs> is where it's at. So I'll, I, I tell people who, you know, maybe they're thinking about doing the PhD and then you really need to have a PhD to be able to get these projects or be in the middle of a PhD. But the projects, it's government money. It's other, go it's, you know, government money from other countries. They want, they trust the government people. They trust the PhDs to do the research. And there's a lot of money out there. And it's, it's, a, it's like anything, like networking into that world of people, you know, maybe some you know, professor who's older has some connections and then you're doing a part of the research and maybe like I do the writing and you do the statistics and then, you know, you're doing the PowerPoint and you, you know, you're teaming up with people and those, that's where, that's how these professors are Lining. being able to send their kids to North America to get their education. They're making right. a lot of money and and I'm, I'm not going to say any detail because it's not finalized, but I'm right now. And it, and actually, this project that I'm about to get involved with has nothing to do with Korea. It totally just has to do with my research. And if it works out, it's a pretty big project. So I'm like, okay, the PhD pay for itself pretty quickly. No I'll way. Put it like that. Doesn't so uh, the thing is. Note you know, to self, get PhD. Okay. <laughs> it, it, <you laughs> Starting know, tomorrow. It, it, that, and the PhD, it's hard work. But it the the payoff it's it's paying for itself pretty quickly I would have to say awesome um, good and I think that's yeah. that's uh, because of who you are too right like you're you're not you didn't get your PhD and you're like oh, I'm I'm happy with my job in the U I was gonna say you're you're out there there's doing a lot of people with PhDs yeah. that aren't doing anything especially yeah. universities that we've seen where they just do their teaching and yeah, there is, is no research there is no project it's job security it's yeah. job security and you have to have the right like mentors you have to have the right people to guide you i mean i didn't even know much about the project thing until one of my friends who's like he's a phd and his wife's a phd and he's italian and like that's how i found out about a lot of that mm. but i think like that you know as a as a person if you're if if you have the phd um, and you have the motivation, it's a lot easier. Like we were talking about someone earlier and how they, they this person wanted to do a lot of things. Yeah. But the problem is, if you know, especially in Asia, I would say like maybe in North America, it's different where it's about like, it's about like what you can do. Mm. In Asia, it's about who you are and who you are is your titles. So it's very important to have certain um, absolutely connections you know, specs they say here right like having not just connections but the actual titles oh you know like think Dude, about they're when huge they want yeah. To know. yeah it's all titles yeah. and it's paper society in the sense like so having that if you're living in asia you might as well have something like that or have you know try to get that because can you mentor phd students I, I actually I am okay good yeah well, I mean listen I'm gonna call you in another year and a half. A, yeah. <laughs> I have a couple I have three PhD students now they're from Uzbekistan um, and I don't wrestle I, them bro <laughs> well yeah and then I have and then Laura uh, yeah. McLucky's a student and this other guy from Ireland's a student and you know they're they're gonna move on they're probably gonna do their PhDs after they're finished with their graduate with their masters um, but it's it's it, it's 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 hard but it's like it's not 
any harder. It's just a matter. It's just discipline more than sure. like, hmm. it's not it's like, doing it. it's just doing, doing it, it. Right. It's like, like the same way, you know, you want to, um, you know, you wake up in the morning and you, uh, work out every morning from, you know, seven to 8am or whatever it is, or you decide to do something. Yeah. You just, you just say it and you just do it and then you get it done. And like, in the end, it's, it's not, it's not too bad. And it's just getting used to the, Brian always says three years later, you're going to be three years older. You might as well have something to show for it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm going to be 37. It, I, when I started the masters, I was like, I'm going to be 37 in, in 2022. Like, I can just do my master's and get it, or I can just continually put it off. And, you know, it's it's time I did it. Yeah. It's you'll figure it out. So. You'll do it. You'll get it done. Yeah. yeah. And, and then in the process, you learn a lot, like, stuff that, like, you know, maybe you um, you read some paper that you you run into some paper, and then you're like, oh, that's an interesting way of thinking. And then you apply that to some aspect of your life that you oh, would never man. run into because you are you are running into higher IQ quality information. Before, like when you read uh, like a newspaper, it's like it's very lowbrow. You're not really getting any interest. Sure. But then when you read something like, you know, some of it's BS, of course. There's a lot of you still have to go through a lot of noise hmm. to get to the music. But like you do Ooh, you like do that. come you do get into some higher quality information and you meet higher quality people who are like sure. you know so because of that you get you, you get a better you get the rub you, you get, get, a, right. yeah, you get the for rub. sure for sure yeah before starting my masters i went like i've been teaching for 10 years you can't tell me anything I, I know everything i taught in a uni i did this i did that and then like the first weekend i was like oh i didn't know this Ooh, I didn't know this. Ooh, I didn't know this. And it, it's, it's, it's been and going on for what? a year. I yeah. have to say this though. There yeah. are some things you, you kind of want to unlearn. Like it, sometimes stuff like, I'll tell you, I, I took like a master's, a Tesla master's and I did a syntax class and the syntax is like, it's like the grammatical, the very like yeah. mathematical grammar, you know? And I remember like I had it fresh in my head. I go teach a class at this academy that I was working part-time and like, I didn't, I mean, I, I just did like, I just taught the new way yeah. and like, I got fired a week. They're like, <laughs> three students complained. I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, like, cause I, I, I was like, I got my mat. Like I thought it was like better quality. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I'm like, okay, note to self, do never teach syntax yeah. to any student. But like, so you learn some stuff that you really don't want to use, but you at least know it. Yeah. Right? You know it and then you it can never flavor know. it can flavor it something else that you're Yeah, that you're like doing. But, but that's yeah. even in your undergrad you learn lots of stuff that you don't it, need or you don't want, but it's useful to go through the process. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then there's some like there's a lot of formality, like like anything, like, you know, like why do you have to dress? Why do you have to dress this way? Why do you but it's just like it's the culture. Like so sure. in order to like fit into the culture you have to learn how to like do that and that's that's part that's a big part of it as well just learning how to fit into that academic culture which is a little different than you know sitting with you guys and just you know talking like this it's sure. a lot more relaxing here than it is in, no, in that place <laughs> the first lady that, that ever suggested doing uh, that i do my master's or um or do my phd has a phd in syntax yeah and she's like just do it it's easy you can just get it up it's like that sounds not i looked over her terrible exam. I looked over her exam. Oh, so I don't even know how I ended up getting it. One of the students asked me a question, and I was like, "Whose exam is this? Every question has a mistake." And then I was like, "This oh. is the syntax professor." <laughs> oh, oh, dude, what do you think about the like? Oh, just, uh, whatever. that's that's a whole other podcast. Anyways, so 
What I need from everyone before we leave is another way to get my neighbor upstairs fired up so his kid gets pissed and starts oh, yeah, throwing more money out the money, window. For yeah. sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, dude, listen. We uh, we talked about the benefits of, of being able to stay at home and, and – uh, and use Zoom to connect, but I really, I really enjoy getting together and seeing uh, your beautiful face after all these years. Having sure. aged a day, this guy. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's all that nicotine. Yeah. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it must be that right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, dude, thanks for coming by. Sure Hope you guys thing, enjoyed. Man. It's great, great to see you guys. Yep, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Later. This podcast is brought to you by Doctor English, your cure for the common language.